0: This jukebox roundtable is help made possible by our sponsor, that is Plectone, P-L-E-C-T-O-N-E, and you can find them at Plectone.com. They create a product called the Double Pulse. It is a guitar pick that utilizes two picks at the same time, combined by a soft, Coupler. And the way this is designed is that both picks are able to act independently of one another and it creates this wonderful, gorgeous sound. It's so easy to play. It's a wonderful thing to have in your toolkit as a guitarist. The holidays are coming up. If you do not know what to get, someone in your family, a friend, a loved one that plays guitar. This is a great stocking stuffer. If you head on over to Plectone.com right now, you can save upward to 35% on the picks if you bundle them together. They have a couple different versions of the pick, depending on which thickness you would enjoy. Check it out. I highly recommend it both personally, and uh, I have many friends who also use the Plectone now, and they all speak highly of it. Check them out. These roundtables could not happen without sponsors like Plectone. Enjoy the program.
1: Got the jukebox. you listening to the jukebox round table hosted by Brett Stewart. The wheel,
2: release the energy to kill this new form, steam to take us to our next home, seeds of life to start a new dawn. Catch a spirit and ride, catch a spirit and ride,
1: catch a spirit.
0: Hello, everybody. My name is Brett Stewart, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Jukebox Roundtable. This is a uh, monthly program in which we're able to complement the main Jukebox program by bringing on guests and panels and producers and musicians, other podcasters to talk shop about music, talk about what's been going on over the last month in the music scene, and really have a fun discussion that really uh, accentuates what we're doing on the main program very, very nicely, especially because... I don't get to talk about a lot of these things on the main program because we're playing a lot of music on that program. So as always on the Jukebox Roundtable, I am joined by two other people on the panel. The first of which is Peter Fisher. He's an independent photographer and podcaster. He co-hosts I'd App That on the Blazing Caribou Studios network, and he's planning to host an upcoming podcast called Tina. Uh, he also recorded the theme music for the Overcast podcast. That is a podcast on blizzard's overwatch game uh thanks for being with us peter no problem so when you recorded the music for the over uh the overcast podcast what kind of what kind of music is it
2: a sort of electronic thing i did like a made it like a, a drum beat thing and i just did basically one four five chords and and tried to since since overwatch is like a really big uh adrenaline thing i I, it's like a driving thing and i do like a countdown at the beginning and uh, very cool yeah when when i recorded it the the game was still a year and a half away from being released so we didn't have any any idea what the music was going to be like so i just tried my best and did it and been I think they're up to like 80 episodes now or
0: 85 episodes. Yeah, the Overcast has definitely been prolific. Uh, they're friends of friends of mine, not friends of this show because they've never been on this show, but they're friends of this show because they're friends of mine. <laughs> We're going to drop a sponsorship, a unpaid sponsorship for the Overcast right now. Go check them out. They're pretty cool. Uh, our other panelist this evening is Shane Maddox. He's the co-host of IDAP That, which means we have both halves of IDAP That here on the program. And again, three of us. Oh, is there three of you? Yeah,
2: we also have uh, Stacey Baldwin.
0: Oh, wonderful. I love Stacey. Okay, then we have two-thirds of IDAP that with us tonight. Uh, Shane is also the host of Techies on the Nice Guy Network, and that's a show designed to make your life easier by exposing you to new technology. Shane is also an independent musician in his own right. Uh, he is in the band Else, that is uh, Sorry, E-L-S-E, and they're an industrial hard rock outfit. Thanks for being with us, Shane. I appreciate it.
1: Definitely. I love uh, love being on your shows here. It's kind of becoming a habit. I'm um, really looking forward to this.
0: Absolutely. It's always great to have you on. I've had you both on Geek Cinema Society, and it's always been a pleasure being on each other's programs. I was on App that uh, a while back when you were starting the podcast. It's really come a long way since then. I was, I think I was your first guest of... Whatever the most recent iteration of IDAP that was, yep. and I had a load of fun on it, and I've been listening to it ever since, and I think you guys are doing a great job. Oh well, thank you. So, uh, quick for the listeners, else is the band you are in. What do you play in the band? What is your role?
1: Uh, I do lead vocals and uh, some some keys here and there. So, very cool. And do you guys play live? Do you have any recorded material? We do. uh, We do original stuff live, uh, and and we do have an album out there also. Uh, The album title is Who Will Cry, and um, our website is elsetheband.com.
0: Awesome. Well, people, check that out if you have any inclination to listen to some industrial hard rock. That is really cool. What we're going to do right now is we're going to get into some stories that we're all going to talk about, and then as per the usual format of the roundtable, we will morph that into a discussion let's dig into some of the news okay we gotta start with some unfortunate news uh, at the top of this roundtable we've had some deaths since the last jukebox roundtable these are three of the most notable deaths unfortunately there have been more deaths than just these three In the last month within the music community. But unfortunately, so many people are dying. It's at such an unfortunate rate that I can only talk about X amount in every single episode. And I think this is going to slowly become a recurring segment. Uh, Leonard Cohen passed away. uh, uh, Leonard Russell passed away. And Sharon Jones passed away. Are either of you fans of any of these three? Uh... I'm, I'm sorry. I said I said Le- I said Leonard Russell. It's because I had Leon. Leonard on there twice. It's Leon.
2: Yeah. Uh, I like Leon Russell a bit. Uh, Leonard not so much. And I, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure what groups Sharon Jones was in.
0: Sharon Jones was on the uh the dap the Tone record label. So it was Sharon Jones and the Dap, and Kings. The DAP Kings. Yeah. Right, and that was, a, that was a funk band, a soul and funk band. And Sharon Jones is incredible vocalist. She was just so talented, and she died very young. Uh, Sixty was when she passed away this, this last month. Uh, died to cancer, unfortunately. Um, cancer is just it's one hell of a sickness, and it just keeps taking them one after one. Uh, do you enjoy any of these three,
1: uh, Shane? You know, so I I will say with Leonard Cohen, I, and I, I I'm embarrassed to say um, I don't I'm not I don't have the most knowledge in in a lot of musicians, unfortunately. Um, but Leonard Cohen clearly, and and this being the the Hallelujah song being the one that you hear over and over now, in, in, in passing, I, I love that song, mind you. Um, uh, but uh, offhand, I, I'm sure I'd I sure I'd be able to recognize some of his other music if you presented it to me. But um, and actually, I, I do you have a, another example offhand of one of that?
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, stuff like
0: Suzanne or Dance Me to the End of Love. Famous I'm your blue man. Ray- raincoat, blue raincoat. Everybody knows. Uh, so long, Marianne. Uh, sure. Just okay. a couple off the top of my head there, but I was. I was heartbroken about hearing Leonard Cohen die um, that I, I think I might have shed shed a tear or two when I, when I heard that news, because that was just heartbreaking for me. I have been a Leonard Cohen fan my whole life. His music has been so immensely important to me. I, I, When I was first introduced to Leonard Cohen, I was introduced to his later work. I was introduced to the stuff that he did in the 80s and 90s. And then I kind of went backward in his catalog and started hearing stuff like Songs for Leonard Cohen, which was his first album, uh, and going through some of his earlier stuff from the late 60s throughout the 70s. And as a songwriter and someone who loved folk but also liked it when folk mu- musicians experimented, Leonard Cohen was just the pinnacle of that, shy of perhaps Bob Dylan, where he would go out and he would start making folk music and he would start with these wonderfully intricate songs, you know, composed with a classical guitar, and then he'd he'd start adding synthesizers, and then he'd bring Phil Spector in and they'd do a record together, and he was just so fearless in that in that mentality of experimentation, and that's what ultimately just drew me to him over and over again. So I was heartbroken to see him pass away. Uh, He did pass away peacefully in his sleep, which is uh, most fortunate to hear. You don't want to hear any of these people suffering. Uh, And then Sharon Jones, of course, was 60 years old. And Leon Russell. Leon Russell is one of those guys who you are probably more familiar with through his collaborations than some of his solo work. He has collaborated with a whole slew of people. Uh, I believe... Correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he's in The Last Waltz, which was had its 40th anniversary this week. It was actually I watched it
2: at that Friday night I think on uh, the main PBS because they showed it during their uh their uh, pledge drive.
0: Right on. It, it holds up, doesn't it? It's a great movie. Yeah uh well leon was so wonderful i'm sorry uh go ahead jane
1: oh no 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 Uh, i was just gonna say something just mention sharon jones i I think i did now that you mentioned it see uh someone on facebook had posted a picture with her so it it's coming back to me a little bit who who she is exactly but sorry go (laughs) go ahead about leon then
0: yeah leon was wonderful whether whether it was songs like tightrope or uh, delta lady stranger in a strange land uh, did a killer version of wild horses and he was a very talented guy did a lot of collaborations with people like Bob Dylan and, and and George Harrison, and he was quite talented. It's, it's a shame to hear him pass away. He passed away in his 70s. Uh, but to move on to some lighter news, because unfortunately, I feel like I'm going to have to start off every jukebox roundtable letting people know that their idols have died. Uh, Snoop Dogg, he's a pretty great guy. This is totally evergreen. This is totally... Uh, something of little consequence in the grand scheme of music, but it made me so happy to read this story. Snoop Dogg hands out 3,000 turkeys in Inglewood, California on Thanksgiving. This is the third year Snoop has gone and done this in the Californian neighborhood, and uh, it's something he's pretty passionate about, and this is not the first time Snoop has been very philanthropic in his endeavors. He also started a football league for at-risk youth, and he's been very instrumental in launching a peace march in the wake of police and gang violence in these neighborhoods what do you guys think of this i think this is pretty cool snoops doing this
1: yeah Uh, that's very cool yeah i uh you know he's a (laughs) shall we say pretty chill dude uh (laughs) (laughs) that's a good way to put it yeah one might guess and uh you know he hasn't had a lot of i mean maybe at one point in his life he he was a little more um a little less chill, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know the whole story of his life or anything. But but as far as I can remember now, uh, he seems like he's been a pretty friendly dude. So I think this goes along with, with his whole kind of uh, personality and everything. And I, yeah, I think this is great.
0: Yeah, I love it when hip hop artists in particular do this because I see so many people, uh, of the. I'm calling you out, baby boomers, right now. I'm sorry, but I got to do it. I see a lot of people of you know my parents' generation and of the baby boomer generation who say, "Look at them, them hip hop artists going out there and rapping about the drugs and the bitches." <laughs> and I'm like, "No, Snoop is out there handing out three thousand turkeys and managing peace marches and little league leagues. You know, he's a great dude." And, they and we see this turkeys. so much.
1: I don't. I hope they weren't special turkeys. <laughs> Oh, that's a good question. Were they <laughs> he, special he turkey that until January
0: 1st in California? Oh. <laughs> to be fair, I think Snoop was probably stoned out of his mind while giving out these turkey. I don't think he's ever not stoned. I think no. he's actually stoned while sleeping. <laughs> uh, Snoop once said in a, in a, in the AMA that the only person who is more stoned than he is at all times is Willie Nelson. That he can't <laughs> he can't outsmoke Willie. No. Nope. But no one else has anything on Snoop. Uh, so, yeah, just a tiny little bit of news. It, you know, everyone around us is dying. The world is going up in flames, but at least Snoop Dogg is giving out free turkeys on Thanksgiving in uh neighborhoods like Inglewood. That is so cool. Big props to Snoop Dogg. Back to some more controversial news. Uh, Joe Coray, who is the son of Sex Pistols manager Malcolm McLaurin, burned $7 million work worth of punk artifacts on a ship out in the Thames. This was in protest of an increasingly more uh consumeristic culture. Uh, he called McDonald's a punk brand uh, owned by the state establishment and corporations. It's time we threw it all in the fire and started again. Punk is dead. Stop conning a younger generation that is somehow uh, that. Wow, his, co- his quote makes no sense here. Okay, he says <laughs> what he is saying is that uh, major corporations have taken punk. And I don't know if I fully agree with this because I've, I've yet to see. At one point, he says that McDonald's now has punk, uh, like food, like like punk themed food, and I don't know if I've seen that.
2: No, no it, it, he what he's saying is that punk has become a McDonald's brand oh, by, <laughs> by the state. So it it, it he's saying that it's it's like a it's not music anymore. It's Mick music. It, <laughs> it's it's like a commodity, a cheap commodity that that the state uses to keep keep. People control of people's
0: thoughts and actions do they though <laughs> like like is is punk in a in a contemporary position that is influenced heavily by the state well co-
2: corporations because because the uh they got to have record companies making them and they if they're making money off of them if they weren't making money
0: off of them they wouldn't be wouldn't be releasing their albums. That's true. And I mean, there are things, for example, here in Chicago, there is Riot Fest every year, which is a very punk-oriented fest. And you'll have acts get up on stage at Riot Fest and start, you know... Preaching truth to power about how you need to take down your corporate overlords and retake the punk mentality and which is complete BS because they're on stage at riot fest. There's a Coors Light logo hanging behind them <laughs> and they're selling merchandise with, you know, diet Pepsi uh, stitched into the tag. So <laughs> I kind of get where Joe's coming from here. It does make me sad as a fan of punk music to see him burn all this stuff. He actually did go out on a barge, uh, burned it. It was pretty uh, pretty bombastic, and I think he's paying homage to his late father, because in May of 1977, uh, the band released God Save the Queen, the Sex Pistols, during the week of Queen Elizabeth II's Silver Jubilee, and his father, McLaurin, organized a boat trip down the Thames where the Sex Pistols would perform their music outside the Houses of Parliament. The boat was raided by the police, and McLaurin was arrested, thus achieving his goal of obtaining publicity. So, yeah, he probably got this idea from his dad right <laughs> yeah
2: malcolm was was one for for uh subtlety right no no making <laughs> a statement because uh, i heard a story that uh midge Medj- or of ultravox was uh, walking down the street this was before he was in ultravox and malcolm's malcolm mclaren's uh, limo stopped and he rolled down the window, Would you like to be in the in a band? So, well how do you know I'm a musician? Oh no, I, I don't care whether you're a musician or not, you just have the great a great look to be in the band. So it the, the Sex Pistols was basically the house band of his shop on on the high street in London called Sex. So that's where the pistols from the sex shop. So he 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 wasn't <laughs> wasn't much he was all into the promotion of of the music
0: more than the music itself. Right. Yeah. I I find this fascinating because when you look at McLaurin and the fallout that he had with the Sex Pistols, uh, so much to the point that in the eighties he was taken contr- uh, he was taken to court by uh, by Johnny Rodden, and uh, and they. Bouted over the Sex Pistols contract rights, at which point uh, he, he, he had those stripped from him. And then throughout his life, he became very alienated by the band and didn't really speak to them. Uh, so it surprises me and that I guess what I'm getting at is that is that his son is is making a statement with all of his sex pistol stuff when the sex pistols themselves didn't really want anything to do with their with his father yeah. later in their careers
2: hmm. now knowing his father the way i I've, I've read about i wouldn't be surprised if he's doing this to make try to have like the the record burnings back in the 80s Have other people that have punk memorabilia do the same thing? And once most of it is destroyed, he goes, oh, wait, I looked in the back room. I had all this, this extra stuff, this good stuff that I can sell for a large amount of money.
0: That. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Uh maybe he needs it. He was excluded entirely from his father's estate. Uh his I father's estate went through probate and ended up going to the woman that his father had married I think about 10 years or so before his father died. So, he was not included in what was most likely quite a lengthy uh and uh you know, large state yeah so I, I i have mixed feelings about this is it really that punk if you put out a press release before you do it <laughs> and
1: like, there's really no truly truly uh selfless act right i mean i i think i think you're on the money with it there being sort of an ulterior motive here
2: although i'm thinking he probably got a little bit of an inheritance from his mother because she's she's a famous uh Fashion designer.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right. He must be doing well enough to go out and grab a barge and burn $7 million worth of stuff. Uh, It makes me sad that he burned some of this stuff. I was reading through some of the stuff he burned, you know, like rare clothing that was owned by the band, uh, all sorts of, uh, you know, like political effigies that that the band would use to burn in the 70s and stuff and just fascinating stuff that I... It belongs in a museum. You know, I feel like Indiana Jones right now, and I kind of wish that Indiana had just swooped down out of a helicopter and taken it from him and said it belongs in a museum. (laughs) uh because it does this stuff should have been in the rock and roll hall of fame so we can all enjoy and love it It makes me sad he's burning it but i under i guess i understand where he's coming from i again i think there is a massive ulterior motive to this and if you wanted to make the statement there were other ways to do it but i digress please email in your thoughts if you have any if you're a punk fan That email, of course, is jukeboxpodcast at gmail.com. Moving along, Amazon is looking to expand their online ticket business. They've had something called Amazon Tickets. This has been available in the UK. I did not know this existed. I turned on my VPN this evening, and I went on over there with them thinking I was in the UK, and I went to you know pretend to order some tickets, and it was really great. It was like buying stuff on Amazon, and it had all sorts of like, amazon pricing discounts and stuff for black friday which is going on right now uh which is weird that it would be on the uk site because black friday is directly tied into thanksgiving which they don't have but i digress it is really neat to me that amazon is looking to expand this ticket business outside of the uk potentially to the u.s and europe which they would like to do potentially within the next year uh shane are you a concert goer at all
1: Occasionally, yeah, I do. I do attend, uh, which I think I'd attend more, uh, being in a band. Uh, Yeah, I mean, when when I get a chance, um, definitely like to check out some concerts. Um, Would you buy tickets from Amazon? Well, I buy most things from everything (laughs) else from Amazon, so I don't see why not. Really, Um, I mean, what Ticketmaster is about the only other. Thing, uh, the only other alternative. I'm sure there's other alternatives out there. I just feel like they kind of um, have the mark. Really, uh, market cornerized really? No, like, Ticket Master like really, Ticketmaster and StubHub. The only thing. Oh, StubHub, yeah. Uh, Which is
0: yeah. owned by Ticketmaster, I believe. Oh. <laughs> is it really owned by Ticketmaster?
1: Yeah. Christ.
0: Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm all I in would, on this thing.
1: I definitely uh, would would uh, give it a shot sometime. I think.
0: Well, we've talked about on the Jukebox Roundtable here before, Uh, I believe it was two or three months ago, we talked about Lin-Manuel Miranda from Hamilton, and he made quite the statement about Hamilton tickets and how Hamilton tickets were getting pulled up by scalping bots and then being resold for 10 times of their face value, and that's not beneficial to the people who want to see the show, nor is it beneficial to someone like Lin-Manuel, because he's only making the face value at the end of the day anyway, so he helped... Uh, push forward this initiative to uh, ban and uh, illegitimize those ticket buying bots that were previously not illegal. That is something that is starting to happen throughout the U.S. in some varying capacities. And I would love to see Amazon potentially put a dent in Ticketmaster because Ticketmaster is awful. Uh, Ticketmaster charges you 20% of the ticket fee uh, in extra fees. And, and Ticketmaster has this weird this weird control over this industry that is that is frighteningly uh, you know monopolizing so I would be very happy to see this change. What about you Peter? what do you think? I just did
2: a bit of of uh, of googling and I guess stubHub is owned by eBay but oh okay but i I, I love how ticketmaster can go. okay, you're paying us money for these tickets now we've got a fee for you to pay us money to get right. the ticket. Oh, and there's handling fee and there's this fee and that fee. It's like AT&T. yeah. I whenever I can do it, I like to keep Ticketmaster out of it, but they've got like almost exclusive rights to most things. So it's like yeah. Well, it it We charge you a a fee to buy from us. Okay, well, where else can you buy it from that doesn't have the fee? Oh, no place. We only sell them.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. And okay, so I just did a test here. And I went in the Amazon tickets and I tried to buy tickets to the Beach Boys at the Scarborough, the Scarborough Open Air Theater. It's going to be Wednesday, May 24th, 2017 in the UK. Check that out. I bet that'd be a great show. But anyway, uh, I tried to buy the tickets just now. They were 34, uh, pounds each. And I went to the checkout screen and it's not charging me any fees. So one would assume that Amazon is baking that into their, you know, Back end, so you don't have to see a fee price, but I'm okay with that because that means the the ticket that I see, I do have Prime, Um, but I don't think that matters because I'm logged in on Amazon UK Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: um, and it doesn't actually have a Prime logo on their ticket site. So it doesn't look like having Amazon Prime makes any difference with this. Uh, But if they're baking that into the bottom end, I'm really happy with that because one thing I hate about StubHub, and don't get me wrong, I really love StubHub. Uh, StubHub is something that I buy all my tickets from. When I see a show coming to my town that I'm interested in, I will go on my StubHub app. I will set an alert, uh, with a price on it. So say if I want to see Weezer and they're coming through and I don't want to spend more than $40 a ticket, it lets me choose that. And then it'll let me know as soon as that's available and I can jump on it. But the thing with StubHub is that over the last year, they've reintroduced ticket fees and they're astronomical. So whatever... Price StubHub is actually showing you that forty dollars for that Weezer ticket is probably going to end up being almost sixty, mm. which is just absurd. And if Amazon can at least give you an experience where you see a thirty-five pound ticket or a thirty-five dollar ticket, and that is what the price is in your cart, I'm okay with that. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Would you Would you lump Eventbrite in with to the, that category, or is, or you think that's its own? Separate. That's
0: a really good question. Isn't Eventbrite kind of like the IndieGoGo to the rest of these Kickstarters? Yeah, like it's yeah, more of yeah.
1: a, an independent thing. Smaller events for the most part, I suppose. But um,
0: I actually really like Eventbrite.
1: Yeah, uh, although my experience wasn't super great personally. <laughs> but, uh,
0: <laughs> what happened on Eventbrite for you?
1: Oh, class reunion, planned it, and uh, didn't end up working out. And then I think you know. Uh, you know what? Maybe not. Maybe they didn't charge us after. That. Maybe I'm thinking of the actual venue, but <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I just had a bad experience in general. So maybe Eventbrite themselves are nothing wrong with them per se. <laughs> well, Peter,
0: you are someone who has just recently bought tickets on Eventbrite because you bought tickets to Scott Johnson's God. Nerdtacular. Yeah. I can't believe. uh oh. How was that experience?
2: Good. I uh, yeah, actually had earlier in the year, bought tickets to Halcon, which was like the Comic-Con in Halifax, and I I haven't had any problems with them. Uh, and looking up, I think they're
0: somewhat connected to PayPal. Uh, Did you get hit with uh, fees for the Nerdtacular ticket? Does Eventbrite hit you with uh, ticket fees? Not that I remembered.
2: That's awesome. Uh, I can check my email to see what
1: it... I really hope more tickets get freed up, like the post stated.
0: (laughs) Right, I know. I was hoping to go to Nerdtacular as well. I don't think it's in the cards for me this year because I have so much going on. I don't physically think I could get down there in time. But uh, I am all about... uh, Here's how I feel in my capitalistic American persona. (laughs) All I want is for more competition... To lower prices for me as a consumer. Mm-hmm. And if that's what Amazon can come in and do, because they've done that for literally every aspect of my life, I kid you not, I needed pens. I needed pens this week and I ordered them on Amazon Mm -hmm. because it's free two day delivery. I didn't need pens right away so I figured why not get a giant box of them sent to me for a quarter of the price of going down to Walgreens on the corner or whatever and it was great. I got my giant thing of pens today and then I needed some groceries and didn't have time to get groceries so I ordered from Amazon Prime now and it was cheaper than the grocery store and I didn't have to go anywhere. So if Amazon can move this into my life as well, I'm all about it. Uh, Last thing I'll throw out on this story is that Amazon is filling a bunch of positions in this Uh, they are looking for software engineers and entertainment business developers if you're someone who would like to work for Amazon maybe that's something you could look into Uh, moving along I want to drop a couple other news stories and then we'll get into our discussion Buenos Aires uh, in Argentina has banned synthesizers uh (laughs) This is a weird story, and this is one of those stories where I had to, uh, I had to go and do some digging to make sure I wasn't reading one of those fake news stories on the air. And it's not. There, I should stress there are stipulations. Essentially what happened in Buenos Aires is that they have been struggling very heavily with people overdosing at EDM festivals and electronica music festivals. So what they decided was to take it to the extreme and they decided that, uh, we are going to ban these EDM performances that, quote, have synthesizers or samples. Uh, which which is very odd to me. This seems like instead of cutting off the snake's head, you're just going after its tail, and its tail continues to regrow back as soon as you cut it off. Uh, and then they, of course predictably ran into problems with this craft uh, was coming into town and craft is an act that uses synthesizers and samples, but they're not necessarily the kind of act that draws the type of crowd that an EDM festival does. So naturally there would be less, you would think uh, less potential overdoses. This was taken to a Buenos Aires judge and they have reversed the measure, the measure by a successful petition to allow craft into Uh, the city to play now i think this is stupid on a lot of levels (laughs) i think if you have a drug problem in your city banning synthesizers and samples is a really dumb way to deal with this uh what do you think peter
2: yeah it's sort of it it's it's well intended but it it's sort of what comes to mind is the that old senator that was in charge of the internet telling them it, it's a bunch of tubes. It's not a truck, like <laughs> they 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 kind of have uh, idea, but the so basically what they want is to stop people from dying of overdoses on on at uh, at EDM concerts. So they think well. They can't have EDM concerts without that. We'll pull that out of the, so they can't use that and not, not uh, thinking while well, other people use that type of thing too, not just EDM people. So it it it's it it's someone trying to fix a problem, but not bothering to look into the main cause of the problem and just deciding just to grab something at random and
0: saying, no, no no more of that. Right, because this... One thing that strikes me as particularly stupid about this is that if you are someone who is potentially prone to have an odor, an overdose at an EDM concert, you're probably someone who is doing drugs anyway. So what are you going to do? Your EDM concert got canceled and you're like, oh, guess I can't do drugs anymore. There's no EDM <laughs> concert to go to. Like, no, they're just going to have an overdose in their basement. So this is such a roundabout way of solving that problem. Uh, what do you think, Shane?
1: Yeah, what it what it particularly reminds me of is the co- folks that make the correlation between video games and violence um, yes and yeah no no they're not actually violent people at all and and in fact uh, i think uh video games probably is is something that lets allows them to take out some of that violent violence in, in video games in in certain cases um yeah in this case yeah i think they're just going to be more bored and want to do more drugs probably when they go home. I I don't know. Maybe that's well,
0: that's a great, that's a great parallel is the whole violence and video games thing. And even that is something let's, let's delve into it. We'll, we'll, we'll delve into some sad stuff here and then we'll, we'll hop right back out. But like, remember when Columbine happened in the late nineties here in the, in the U S and the the blame was sent toward video games. It was sent toward uh, Doom. And then it was sent toward music. It was sent toward stuff like Marilyn Manson, mm-hmm. which is what uh, Klebold and Harris were listening to at the time. And m- neither of those things are what directly causes someone to go shoot up a school. Uh, that's absurd. And, and later in a documentary, uh, Bowling for Columbine, the Michael Moore documentary, you know, Michael Moore had Marilyn Manson on it and he was pretty eloquent. He said, yeah, my music's not causing this. Neither are trench coats, neither are video games. There is a systemic issue with how, uh, we raise our children and how we monitor their mental health and how we, and how we take care of them. And these are things that can be prevented through that, not by me making less music. And I think that the same exact thing could be said here. If you have drug culture in your city and you're struggling with this, this is a really bizarre way to go about that. It sounds like what they should be doing is having initiatives within their city to reduce, uh, to reduce drug use that aren't just you know banning synthesizers. Like that strikes me as so odd. So the next like so so Abba. You know, Abba's has has a date in Buenos Aires, and now Abba can't come through. Uh, oh my god! I don't know if they have a date or not, but that'd be hilarious. No, that's
2: like stop the Manheim Steenroller concert.
1: Any band has a synthesizer. <laughs> I mean, that goes for anything that goes for one of my one of my favorite bands, uh, Linkin Park. I'm you know, they and they have just about every instrument you know you can have in a in a in a rock band anyway. <laughs> uh. Yeah,
0: that's true. And I've been to a Lincoln Park concert covering one for a a publication, Mm -hmm. and I can tell you that there's not a big drug culture at a Lincoln Park concert. (laughs) There's really not. Uh, So... This is a little absurd, and I hope that this continues to be overturned as more and more acts come through Buenos Aires that are using synthesizers and are not prone to EDM drug culture. And I also hope they can solve this issue, because I understand their distress. I understand that when a bunch of people are dying at concerts, uh, six people died last April at their Time Warp Festival, which is what instigated this ban. I understand that frustration. This is not a way to go about it. Uh, but moving along, uh, every once in a while here on the roundtable, I do throw out mention of tools that independent bands and artists can use that would be helpful to them in their endeavors. I got a quick one for you guys this, uh, month. The Tremolator, which is a really great, uh, analog guitar tremolo effect plugin is currently available for free from Sound Toys. I'm gonna put a link to this along with all of the other stories in the show notes. These guys typically make very expensive plugins. They're at, they're anywhere from $60 to $200. I believe this one was around the $100 range when it was not free. This is going to be free until November 30th. And, uh, Peter brought up a great question at the top of our program before we started recording. And that was what does this work inside of? Uh, because it doesn't list GarageBand, but it does list Pro Tools, Logic, digital performer, uh, Cubase, Nuendo, uh, Sonar, and Ableton Live. I can confirm that it does work in Audition as well. And I would imagine it would work in GarageBand. Right. Because it, it is, is just a VST plugin. And all it means is that if it's not on this list of stuff that they have tested, they can't put it on there. If- but, uh, I would just email them or, uh, I'll let you guys know. I'll, I'll have someone plug this in the GarageBand and I'll, and I'll put it in the show notes. I
1: would guess if it works in, uh, in Logic, it probably should work in GarageBand.
0: Yeah, one would think. And it's always great for these things to pop up because a lot of this stuff is very expensive for independent artists and uh, it's hard to get a hold of this sort of software. So I always like to throw this in the show because you never know when someone just wants to add this to their digital rack and now it's available to them. The only thing you got to do to get it is just make a free account on SoundToys. You don't have to provide them anything. You can immediately unsubscribe from their spam email and you're going to be good to go. Is this something either of you would download as independent artists? And maybe
1: I, I want it right now. <laughs> I to right, but you
2: also have to have an iLock account, uh, iLock account number. Oh, I actually do have one of those
0: iLock account number. What is that? I thought that was part of their. Um, I thought that was part of Sound Toys. It could be, but I don't know because
2: cause it'll ask for your email and your name and that, and then iLock number.
1: So, huh. Yeah, so well, if it's what I'm, thinking, I'm looking at right now, the, the at least the USB drive iLock, like the thing for VSTs that uh, I had gotten for uh, East-West Instruments VSTs came with that. Or I think I had to buy it separately. But just Oh, interesting. Security. So do you need iLock to actually download this? That I don't know for sure. But if it's talking about iLock, I would imagine so.
0: <laughs> We're doing some great some great audio <laughs> journalism right now. All three of us are on this website trying to download this thing. Uh, all right, Tremolator 5, your cost is $0. Let's see what we got here. Um, oh, no, here's what it says. Download orders require a valid iLock user ID, but do not require a physical dongle and can be authorized on your machine. So that means I believe you can just make a free account on iLock, right? Okay. Cool. Uh, yeah, I just went to iLock's website, and you can make an account over there. So it looks like this is something you can get. If anyone has any issues or suggestions with this, email us, jukeboxpodcast at gmail.com, and I will, will reflect your comments in the show notes. And thank you for bringing that up, Peter. Uh, doing quality podcasting here, everybody. Uh, moving along, though, we are going to get into our discussion segments, so let's go ahead and do that. Okay, we are back. We have two discussion segments uh, for the program this month. The first one I want to talk about is the elephant in the room in the music community. This is something that has been very divisive. A lot of people have had opinions on this. I certainly have a very strong opinion on this. I'd love to get the opinions of both of the guys on my panel. Uh, Kanye West. I could just end right there and we could just have a very divisive <laughs> conversation. Uh, Which we've done on this show before. But Kanye West, he's been, Kanye's been having a hard time lately. Uh, Kanye, to give people a bit of a timeline, Kanye went on stage about a week ago and had one of his characteristically long and confusing rants about how he would have voted for Donald Trump. That's fine. I mean, we're not gonna we're not gonna vote judge here on the jukebox podcast. But he definitely seemed like he was in a weird mind space, even weird for Kanye. And then after that, he got back on stage and did a rant. Uh, I think two or three nights later, where he just railed on the radio. Uh, scene. he started attacking Hillary Clinton, uh, started attacking Apple, Title Music, uh, started saying that you know radio was essentially rigged against artists like him. Uh, shot some uh, uh, some you know ammo across the bow at people like Jay Z and Beyonce, who are typically you know his closest collaborators and confidants. And then the day after that, it was announced that Kanye had been admitted into. A hospital, quote, uh, for his own safety. Now, I should specify that Kanye, the rumor, it has not been confirmed, but the rumor is that he was hospitalized for exhaustion for working too hard. He did uh, cancel the rest of his dates in his tour. Uh, Over 20 dates were canceled, and there have been many conversations about this in the music community, about mental health, about Kanye in particular, about whether or not people think this is valid, that Kanye had this breakdown and what it means. So before we dig into the nitty gritty of this, I would like to get a broad impression from each of you, uh, looking back at this, what you think is going on with Kanye. Why don't we start with
1: you, Shane? Oh, what's not going on with Kanye? Uh, Right. So... (laughs) I, I I keep thinking back to this. he's come he's come a long way since Jesus Walks, uh I think was one of his hits way back. No kidding. Uh and I d de- <laughs> he lives a very interesting lifestyle. Uh you know, I, I don't know. I, I I think he definitely must if I had to guess, has to have some sort of mental disorders, right? I mean just based one on think. one would think I, I and it whether or not he's been diagnosed with anything i i don't believe that's been disclosed to the public right no it hasn't no um well whether he's working too hard i think that's probably not the most true statement i mean I, i'm not try- not trying to say he doesn't work hard in, in his industry and everything and what he does but um I think a mental breakdown is more likely what may be what's happened here, if I had to guess. Um. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair
0: analysis. I think Kanye, I think one thing to remember is that uh, he does do, I mean, aside from the touring and the recording... He does have the whole fashion line going for him that he puts a lot of work into. My understanding of the fashion line is that he's very meticulous over it, that he micromanages every tiny aspect of it. Uh, The last line of it didn't do so hot, so maybe he is under some pressure to improve that and to get a better reaction from the public. Uh, Peter, what do you think about this?
2: Yeah. uh, I think maybe the problem is he's doesn't have anyone to tell him no
0: surrounded by a lot of yes men
2: yeah so so unlike Snoop who 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 had to struggle to get where he is Kanye at least for the last 10 years or so is he's fall the victim to to what happens to celebrities people want the celebrity to like them so they'll say yes that's great that's great and he doesn't seem to have the ability to be self so like look at what he does and be self-critical of it because like what he did with the what's her face the shake it off uh taylor swift taylor swift it it it's he seems to be a sort of bit of a a showman not in like not in like he puts on a great show not that he doesn't but like he 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 uh prospers in in
0: him i don't know i lost what i was gonna say but but i think it sounds like you're saying he maybe prospers in the limelight a little bit he does create a lot of drama perhaps perhaps intentionally yeah and and since there's no one to tell
2: him no he just keeps on going and going so he might be at a at a point where since he's gone going continuously he's like at a, at the end of what he can do. Like not, not what he can do, but like his, he's exhausted himself so much that this is what happens.
1: No, and that Taylor Swift thing was incidentally uh, over him thinking Beyonce had the best album of the year. Right. And now.
0: Right. Best music video of the year. I'm going to let you finish,
1: but. Oh, sorry, Peter. Just kidding. Oh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um yeah Uh, what else was I gonna say here uh
0: well I'd throw one thing out here I would throw out that my personal opinion has been that when Donda West died in 2007 Donda West was Kanye's mother that I think that was a very a very hard thing for Kanye. Kanye has always been described as a mama's boy. He has, he had a very, very close relationship with his mother, uh, not a close relationship with his father growing up. Uh, they did separate, I think, when he was two or three years old. Uh, my understanding is he's a little closer, closer with his father now, but most certainly his mother was his best friend. And I think when Donda died, and Donda did die unexpectedly and very young, she died in her mid 50s uh, due to complications with uh, a plastic surgery. And I think that really messed up Kanye. I truly, honestly believe that. That Kanye was so close to his mother that when he lost her so unexpectedly and tragically, that sent him down a very weird path. Because when you look at his public persona and the way he acted post-Donda West's death, it's way more drastic than anything he did prior to that. And part of that was also her wrangling him in. Because she was his manager. She was uh, intricately involved in his music. And I think that set him on a very weird path. I think that uh I personally think that maybe the thing that happened to his wife 2 months ago probably didn't do him any favors when he found out that she had been robbed and gagged at gunpoint uh in Paris and that probably you know sh- rattled his sense of security I would imagine. So I think a lot of those things contribute to a man who I would argue, and I think a lot of us have thought this for a very long time, pro- I think I think I think uh, Shane is right. He probably does have some sort of mental issues. He maybe does have bipolar. He maybe does have some sort of schizophrenic tendencies, and this causes him to act like that. Uh, Shane, you have a you have something to say?
1: Yeah, I, actually, that that was exactly what I was going to say before. Is was was the point exactly to your point about his mother? And I I know I remember um, for whatever reason, right after this happened um Kanye went on uh leno at the time right so this was that long ago now but that and then they performed uh that song with what was it rihanna and jay-z i want to say it was something along those lines um but they immediately after that he actually went up and to talk with leno and and apologized to the crowd and to to TV. This was after the Taylor Swift thing. And, and one of the things that Jay Leno brought up was his mother and whether or not he felt that she would appreciate, you know, him uh, doing those types of actions, uh, what he did to to Taylor Swift and everything. And, you know, I, I think he got pretty teary eyed at at that point as understandably. And I think um, I, I, wholeheartedly agree that that probably did have a big impact on, um, on the person he's become, uh, these days.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This was 2009 on the Leno on Leno's program where, uh, yeah. Leno asked him whether or not his mother would approve of some of the things he had been doing. And, um, he said he was very rude and he'd like to apologize to Taylor in person. Uh, I don't know how well that's held up. He's been kind of he's been kind of dicey with Taylor over the years. I think when you hire or I think when you hire a uh a model maker to make a f- naked Taylor Swift to put in your music video without her knowledge hmm. uh or allegedly without her knowledge. There is some proof that maybe she did know about it. But yeah, he's been a little he's been a little dicey with her in the past. But I yeah, I I struggle with this because I'm one of those people that I love Kanye's music. And I think I truly believe he is a genius. I think the stuff he makes is revolutionary, and I'm one of those people who has to constantly defend him when people say, you know, who's your favorite hip hop artist? And I say Kanye West, and they're like, oh. (laughs) Uh, Or you just people find out you're a Kanye West fan, and you have to be like, yeah, but you have to separate him from the person, and it's hard to do. He's like he's basically a contemporary John Lennon in this fashion. I imagine that a lot of people in the '70s had to had to defend their John Lennon love because John Lennon was an asshole to and uh <laughs> and that's hard to do and I think you do have to separate the the personality of the of the person versus what they put out creatively and musically but I can hope I can you know hope that Kanye can get help that he needs because I would love to look back at Kanye in 10, 15, 20 years and see him progressing as a as a more stable adult because this is not the first time that Kanye has exhibited endless uh very unstable tendencies, which makes me sad because I, you know, if, if they're hospitalizing Kanye be, for fear of his own of for fear of uh, safety to himself, that, that worries me a little bit. I don't want Kanye to do anything to himself. I love Kanye and I hope he can get the help he needs despite him being a divisive figure. And I know a lot of people don't like him.
1: Yeah, I mean, the same could be said about, you know, your favorite actor or something, uh, whether or not they do you know off camera is a little loony or something uh you know you, you kind of have to respect them for for their art
0: yeah or at least separate the art from the person i mean uh i'm i'm friends with the with the dj that does breakfast with the beatles here in the city of chicago i i work with her at a, at a college that i that I'm her teaching assistant at and i was talking with her about about kanye and she said yeah i played Kanye's music that he did with Paul McCartney on Breakfast with the Beatles because it was a new Paul McCartney recording. Why wouldn't I play it? And they were really good songs. It was a great collaboration. And she would get listener emails and phone calls saying, why are you playing Kanye? This is a Beatles program. Play someone without uh, you know, play somebody who isn't an asshole. And I'm like, enjoy the silence. (laughs) like uh, Because everyone in the music industry has a level of Kanye to them (laughs) whether or not they show it as often as Kanye does. So are there any closing thoughts on Kanye as we move on?
1: Uh, Nobody's perfect.
0: (laughs) Nobody's perfect. I I think that's pretty good. Peter, you?
2: Yeah. uh, Once again, I I think he needs someone, and I guess it was his mother, to tell him, no, Kanye, think again. Like, think of what you're going to do before you do it.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. <laughs> well, I hope Kanye gets the help he needs and I hope he continues to make music because he makes great music. Uh, in fact, next month, uh, the next roundtable is going to go through the best music of the year. Uh, that's something I do at the end of every year now where I I do my top albums. I'll have my guests do their top albums. I will talk about what I think was most influential. I'll, think, I'll talk about what I think was the worst. Uh, and I can tell you right now, uh, spoiler for next month, Life of Pablo is one of the better albums of this year. It really is a good record. Uh, Moving on to our second discussion topic, streaming has been something that we've talked about here on the Jukebox Roundtable an array of times. We've talked about uh, whether or not streaming is beneficial to artists. We've talked about streaming in the context of being an independent artist. We've talked about uh, what my different panelists each month use, whether or not they use Spotify or Apple Music or don't use it at all, and what are the pros and cons of each. But I want to address it one more time. I know I'm beating a dead horse with this with some of our listeners, but this is a very interesting topic. I want to discuss. Uh, There have been a lot of artists who have been very critical of streaming music to the point where they've pulled a lot of their streaming music off of these services. Uh, Notably, I wanted to talk about Radiohead and Neil Young. Uh, One thing I love is in 2013, Radiohead called Spotify, quote, the last fart of a dying corpse. Now, 2016, they have now put all of their music back on Spotify, same thing for Neil Young. A couple months ago, earlier this year, uh, probably about a, less than a year ago, uh, Neil Young pulled his entire catalog from Spotify. He claimed that Spotify was uh, was worse than AM radio. It was worse than cassette, and he did not feel that he would give his fans the highest fidelity and quality and experience that they deserved. If they were listening to his music on Spotify, which which is objectively wrong, first of all, because he's still selling CDs and you can burn a CD at 320 kilobits a second, which is exactly what Spotify premium was. But I digress. So Neil put all of his music on Tidal and then randomly a couple weeks ago. The entire Neil Young catalog reappears on Spotify. All the deep cuts, all the hits, everything including the most recent stuff he's released and the singles for his upcoming album coming out here in two weeks. No word from him at all. Hmm. What do you guys think of this? We'll start with you, Peter. Well, I, the,
2: Neil was, he didn't like the MP3s to start with. He the, he didn't like the quality of it, so he started his uh, his own own player. I can't remember the Pono, name of it. right? Pono, Pono player, yeah. And it it was a valiant effort to take the the uh, control away from the uh, the uh, the record companies because. If you notice, with all the thing about about streaming, the record companies aren't really aren't really complaining about about uh, not getting paid enough. No, they're not because it's this or piracy in in well, some aspects. Well, no, not not necessarily being as who was it uh, the the rapper that used to wear the bandages? Uh, uh, getting hot in here.
1: Oh, guy, N-
2: Nelly, Nelly, yeah. Apparently, Nelly needs needs owes the IRS like four million dollars or something. I was picturing a rapper that was dressed as a mummy or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I I watch uh, the Late Late Show with James Corden, and he was playing playing songs like it w- wasn't a. It was another artist. Uh, oh, this is how we do it. And he was told that every time he played that song, they needed to pay a royalty of $4,000 to the record company for using it. Of that $4,000, the artist gets like 40 cents. <laughs> so I'm thinking the record companies aren't complaining about the streaming is because they it's a lot easier to hide how much they're actually making per stream oh from the artists than it did for records like when they were selling hard copies they go oh well yeah you had the cost of the factory and the truck going and and all the product promotion we're doing of course we're we're making 10 dollars an the album you get 10 cents per album because of all these things whereas electronically it's basically you put it on the hard drive and people use it so interesting they at least from from what i'm thinking is the record companies aren't complaining because they can keep on getting the same amount of income and and get away with paying their artists less because i think like one artist i I heard like their song got played 30,000 30 million times and they got a check from spotify for like 35 bucks something like that yeah yeah <laughs> so so like from from the time uh, the the old bluesman got a a bottle of whiskey so that they can record this, them playing the blues song, and the company owning the rights for that forever. Musicians are always getting the wrong, raw end of the deal, except for like the big things like Megadeth or uh, I, I meant uh, Metallica and Madonna, who can can demand the money that they're owed. The the little littler people are have always been
0: sort of getting the raw end of the stick, and it's worth pointing out that album sales have never been historically the way. You make your money as an artist. Uh, you you make it from touring. You make it from merchandise. Uh, back in the in the 40s and 50s and early 60s, as Peter alluded to, you'd have a lot of artists, particularly black artists, who would record for re- uh, record labels like Chess, like Stax Records, uh, and you know they'd pay them a 50 bucks and a bottle of bourbon, and they'd be on their way, and then they'd record something that we're still listening to today, and they'd never get any royalties to, from it. But that's okay because they just. Move Move down the line and record something else different for stacks down the road, uh, a different record label. So, yeah, this isn't necessarily a lot of money out of the artist's pocket, considering that the way they're making their money has primarily not been affected, and if anything, concert and merchandise prices are going up. Uh, one thing I do find interesting about these two particular people is that they were so adamantly against streaming and they are not the little guy. I I would argue that Neil Young and and Radiohead are right up there in that aforementioned echelon of Madonna and And Metallica. They are artists who can choose how they make their money and make it any way they want to make it because they know that people are going to come and buy their music. I really dislike that Neil Young did this. I had a moral qualm with the fact that I thought Neil Young was exploiting his fans because he would pull stuff off Spotify but put it on title even though if you're paying for $10 title instead of $20 title, you're still getting the same quality that the Spotify people were getting. And then I go to the record shop and every other new New double vinyl is anywhere from twenty to to thirty dollars, and Neil Young prices his at almost sixty. And then you look at his CDs. If you want to buy a CD of his last record, you're going to spend almost twenty dollars. In contrast to like, I bought a CD uh, last week for a gift. I bought it to pimp a butterfly for someone as a gift, and I spent eleven bucks on it, and it was a new CD. So Neil Young raises his prices across the board throughout everything he does. And that gave me this huge moral qualm with, with with him because it wasn't this statement of artistic independence. It was this statement of, I'm taking away accessibility in favor of charging you 10 times as much. And that was something that I really didn't like with Neil Young. And Radiohead maybe doesn't really do that because Radiohead actually has given out their music for free. Uh So there's definitely a, there's not a, direct parallel to be made between the two, but both of them recently in the last couple weeks have reverted and put all of their music back on there. Uh, Shane, why do you think they do this?
1: Well, yeah, so I don't, uh, part of me wonders if how much this is the, the record companies themselves. I mean, so in 2013, for instance, with Radiohead, was this, I mean, was this just the band saying they don't, they don't want their music up there or, you know, is, is the, is the record company, I guess, who who has the most influence here, really, on whether... I would say in, in these two particular cases,
0: it's certainly the artist. These are two artists who have been very outspoken against this music, and they're big enough artists where they can choose where their music goes, and the label doesn't have much of a difference. Sure. Tom,
2: Tom York in, when was this? Back in... 2013 called Spotify. To me this isn't the mainstream. This is like the last fart, the last desperate fart of a dying corpse. Right. about Spotify. Right.
1: So <laughs> so one of the things uh, interestingly that you brought up Metallica um, Peter because this does for whatever reason remind me of the whole Napster debacle back in well i don't even know now whatever it was 15 years ago at this point um and i i guess i kind of feel like there's always some controversy like this you know whether it be going from you know vinyl to to digital or um well i guess cassette was in there at one point but i feel like artists probably always have something to say about (laughs) the direction the uh the media uh, medium is headed because yeah i mean i don't know exactly what (laughs) in this case they they thought there was going to be uh this was a sales um i think that's the primary concern right was that I I guess I'm not... not
0: Well, it's weird, because with Radiohead, their concern was that they were getting paid so little, and that the artist was not being fairly compensated, which is weird, considering Radiohead was the first band to ever go on the internet and say, hey, just pay us what you want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... It's already kind of a weird thing to say. And then with Neil Young, his primary concern was the audio quality, uh, which, again, is very weird because when he came out against streaming, he said uh, AM radio and cassette are better, which is objectively wrong. Yeah, like, I think- uh, Purely from an audiophile standpoint, that's
1: wrong. I think ultimately it probably is about, well, I don't know, maybe it is about money, but th- but to your point, they're not, not getting paid a lot from from the, the song sales themselves anyway. Um, I feel like maybe they, they didn't want things to go this way and yet they clearly are and they'd rather get paid something for, you know, as little as it may be. Um, the, the fact of the matter is, is that Spotify is here to stay or, and, you know, music, uh, services such as Spotify are here to stay. And I think they maybe are just have given up on trying to fight it. Maybe <laughs> everyone Did- else is there. Didn't Radiohead have an
2: app where you could listen to all their music?
0: Because I know there was a band did. that did that. Could be doing quality podcasting where I Google it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the Polyfauna app, and uh, but I don't think you could actually listen to their catalog on it. It was one of those weird things where it would play Radiohead music and it would like create like a like a shaded cell. Virtual world that shapes around the music, basically a visualizer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, I I I always find it odd when Radiohead and Neil Young are the people making these statements because they are the they are, i hate to say it but they are the corporate machine they don't want to they don't want to admit that they are again this is like the bands at riot fest standing in front of a of a dell logo complaining about corporatism and this is kind of the same thing it's radiohead complaining about this and and they've been a, a mainstay of the of the contemporary commercial music scene for the longest time you can't sit there and complain about streaming and then sell 400 dollar concert tickets I just don't get it. Uh, so for people who are curious, like I said with Neil Young, all of his music is on Spotify now. And with Radiohead, they've gone as far as not only is all of their music on Spotify, but stuff they had previously never put on streaming, stuff like In Rainbows. That was the album that in 2007 they offered for free. That's on streaming as well, along with the uh, with the disc two, which was all the outtakes. And then they've even released all of their singles, including reissues of singles they had released in the past. So they really went all out. Both of them did when they put their music back on Spotify.
1: Yeah, some I think some bands just take a while to give in to certain things, such I mean, bands like what the Beatles and I want to say Metallica too, for the longest time weren't even on iTunes. And uh right. Minner Time before they realize, that, okay.
0: Yeah, I remember back when when Spotify was first getting its legs, Pink Floyd was very uh this was this would have been 2000 I was <laughs> we I'm going to I'm going to age myself here showing how young I am, but I was probably a sophomore in high school. So this would have been like like end of 2010. <laughs> and uh and Radiohead uh was putting out No, I'm sorry, Pink Floyd, Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd was was resisting Spotify. And this was the time when everyone was starting to get on Spotify, and I was on Spotify, my friends were on Spotify, and... Uh, they said, all right, we're going to put Wish You Were Here on Spotify. And if you guys get a million streams of it, we'll put our entire catalog up. And they never thought it was going to happen. It happened in three days. <laughs> uh, so the entire Pink Floyd catalog is available. Uh, this was something that the Eagles battled back and forth with for a very long time. now all of the Eagles is on there uh, as Shane rightfully mentioned this is something that the Beatles battled. That was more or less a, a legal logistical thing that once Michael Jackson did die, a lot of this, a lot of these doors opened up for the Beatles catalog. Uh, Cause Michael Jackson was very, very much against the Beatles catalog being used in any of those w- uh, ways. Um, I believe Paul McCartney now has primary ownership of it again. I believe that's recent actually. Uh, and Another artist I would mention, and I really do not enjoy his music. Sorry if you guys do, no judgment, but I'm not a big Garth Brooks fan. Uh, (laughs) I really don't like Garth Brooks, and he has been almost the most notable holdout, because I, while I'm not a fan of of Garth Brooks, I can acknowledge that he's huge. He is like country music's Beatles. Uh, He has sold more country records than any other country artist. And for the longest time, you could not buy him, and ACDC was like this as well. You could not buy him on. Uh, you couldn't stream him. You couldn't buy digital downloads of him. So you couldn't even go on the iTunes Store and buy an MP3. You could not. You could not buy CDs of his on Amazon. If you wanted to go on Amazon and have them ship you a CD for Garth Brooks, they would not do it. Uh, and you could not buy his CDs in retail stores that were not Walmart. Uh, Walmart was a deal that Garth Brooks made uh, years ago. That you could only buy his music physical copies at Walmart, which was the weirdest thing to me. Uh, and I don't know, maybe Garth Brooks knows his audience. I have no idea. But in any case, uh, he recently popped up on Amazon. I was look, I was on Amazon's homepage the other day, and this was just recent. This was October nineteenth. Uh, I there's a big banner on the top of Amazon. This is Garth Brooks has joined the streaming revolution. Stream now on Amazon Music. <laughs> So they got Garth Brooks, the biggest holdout. Amazon got him.
1: Uh, the revolution. You're too late. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty late to the revolution,
0: both Garth Brooks and Amazon.
1: <laughs> Are either of you Garth Brooks fans?
0: Ah, uh, no, not really. Exactly. All right, great. I, <laughs> I didn't immediately inf- offend anyone at this table then. I'm sure I'll get some emails. <laughs> Jukeboxpodcast at gmail.com. Let me know why I'm wrong about Garth Brooks. But, uh, yeah, and, and obviously there's more places to do this now. Garth Brooks clearly was waiting until someone would pay him a lot of money for exclusivity because he's still only available on Amazon Prime Music. So clearly Amazon wrote him a pretty big check, one would have to imagine. Uh, so are there any closing thoughts that you guys have about these types of artists who, who hold their music off Spotify or just streaming in general and then finally come back into the fold? Uh, Peter, what about you?
2: I'm, I'm just thinking that their, them them coming back is not so much as it's Spotify. Spotify's the place to be is that their their original idea of how how to make their money didn't work. So they're just yeah. sort of <laughs> sort of go, okay, that didn't work. Okay, yeah yeah, yeah you can sell our stuff, I guess.
0: Yeah, has anyone here seen a Pono in person?
1: Uh, in person, what? no. <laughs> the Pono player. Oh, no. Okay. Like a one of you
0: said no, the other person was what? <laughs> uh, yeah, that is basically a microcosm of po- uh, Pono. Um, yeah, I, I've never actually seen one in person, even though they were supposed to sell them in stores. And Pono, I don't want to, I mean, who knows? Maybe they sold some to a diehard fan base, but Pono really fell on its face. And that was something that Neil Young was was diehard on for a really, really, really long time. So much so that if you go to Pono's website now, they have it all shut down because they're, quote, working with a new content partner. So who knows what's going to happen with them. Maybe they're selling it off. I would not be surprised if, if Neil Young would um, basically sell the Pono technology to a company like Apple uh, in the same way that they bought Beats and, and integrated that into what they do. Uh, because the the technology of pono is cool the I mean the idea is have a, a uncompressed high fidelity mobile device which on paper is kind of neat doesn't really translate to the real world because nothing you're listening to while moving around can really appreciate that full fidelity unless you're walking around with you know $700 studio headphones uh, so Pono's weird, and the other weird problem with it was that if you wanted to buy your music, you had to re-buy all of your music in Pono files, and in order to do that, you had to spend about 20 to 30 bucks an album. Nobody wants to do that. So that's my guess. I'm throwing that out there right now on the Jukebox Roundtable, that Neil Young is going to liquidate Pono into a bigger company, and they're going to scrap it for whatever it's worth. I could be wrong. Uh, Shane, do you have any closing thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think, I just kind of wonder if some of these artists are just and, and understandably so, but are just very protective of their music and don't want it. Don't, although it's ironic with Radiohead to say this, but uh, don't really want to be giving their music away for free um, or, right. or having
0: or they at least want it to, it to be their choice. Yes,
1: uh, they don't want it. Uh, they don't want to be making nothing off of it. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say um, exactly, but. Yeah, protective. They're protective. I think is what it is.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And, and we we talked about Kanye earlier in the show, and Kanye is someone who ha- has also had a bout with this. We didn't mention him, but he pulled all of his music. Oh uh, well, no, no. I'm sorry. He never pulled his music, but he did not allow Life of Pablo to be on streaming. He went. He even went as far to say that it would never, ever, ever be on Apple Music. And then, of course, three three weeks later, it was. <laughs> So, uh, by the way, just anecdotally, I went to Pono's website and went, clicked on their Twitter. And the last thing they tweeted was, be sure to go and vote today. Hashtag voted. Hashtag election day with a photo of I voted photoshopped onto a Pono screen. That's just sad. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 a real dying breath of, of, of this episode. Oh, that's a shame. Last Neil Young, the struggle bus. <laughs> You know, Pono is actually one of the primary, aside from politics, that's one of the primary disagreements between Neil Young and and President-elect Donald Trump, was that he went to Trump and asked him to fund Pono, and Trump would not fund Pono. Uh, (laughs) And uh, and, and it's actually a very funny back and forth between them, because he did this a couple weeks before Trump announced. And then, of course, Trump came out and announced and used Rockin' in the Free World uh, when he you know rode down the escalator and the whole world changed uh and young was very outspoken against him he said don't use my music and then trump turned around and said but but you came to me as a friend and and you wanted me to fund your project and and so i can't use your music even though you're you came up to me and you were uh you were cozying up to me to get money and i kind of see where trump's coming from with that (laughs) but in any case neil young uh Radiohead, go stream them now. Uh, if you'd pirated their music previously because they made it difficult to get, you don't have to do that anymore. Uh, to wrap up the show, what we always do is we talk about any recommended music or music that is upcoming that we are all excited about. Any albums that are coming out, singles that are coming out, uh, hell, even any concert tours or stuff that you're looking forward to in music moving forward. We'll start with you, Shane. Is there anything you're looking forward to?
1: oh geez i am not prepared for this one i don't think um (laughs) yeah well let me see so i mentioned i i don't know if i actually mentioned this but talked a lot about metallica and i have yet to listen to their latest album it's not super new i don't think but i i really would like to check that out at this point seeing as how i have basically every one of their other albums um I mean, what else is off man, I can't think I can't think of anything offhand. Of. <laughs> uh,
0: That's okay. Check out the new Metallic album. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Very good. What about you, Peter? Well, I'm waiting for
2: the local record shop to get me a copy of uh Extreme's uh twenty-five anniversary version of Pornography. Uh right on. Uh but I'm I'm really can't. First
0: of all, can I can I can I just interject and say how happy it makes my heart feel that you are that you are waiting for a local record shop to get you a physical copy of a 25th anniversary album, that just makes my heart filled with joy as a person who loves everything in that sentence. Sorry, go on. Yeah. Uh, well, it's 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 a it's a, a three
2: disc concert thing. There's like a DVD and a and a Blu-ray and a and a cd with it so it, it's new new recordings of of for the thing but yeah because while i like itunes i have problems with it going on my phone actually having the full songs which actually i'm i uh, sent a message into twit and i guess i'm going to be on screensavers next next weekend talking about this, how you'll get a song on your iPhone that's got, like, a five-minute song and, like, only has 20 seconds of audio in it. But anyway, uh, I prefer to have the hard, hard, hard form of the music just in case Apple decides, oh, we don't want to do music anymore. It's all gone. So I'll have, have things that I can rip to make, better versions than they they give us but anyway
0: Right on. Uh, me too. That's exactly how I am. I love my physical media and I love owning an actual copy of the record, especially because I will admit it, I am very audio quality elitist. (laughs) Uh, or I don't, I don't want to say elitist because I don't, I don't, I don't look down upon people for audio quality. That'd be stupid. I'm not Neil Young, but, um, I do love having the highest quality music I can get. It's kind of important to me. So I can buy a CD and I can rip that as a FLAC file and get the highest quality I can from that uh alternatively i you know i buy a lot of vinyl uh for that reason because i love having that that uncompressed analog sound that i can get access to uh so i'm really big into that i totally hear where you're coming from on that and also you're right you never know when just amazon or itunes or you know maybe not maybe not tomorrow maybe not next year or in five years but 20 years down the line you don't know what they're going to be saying about their stuff so i like to be able to own it. for me personally, what I am looking forward to is the new Neil Young album, uh, which I can now stream. I'm, I'm sure when it comes out, I'll be able to stream it. comes out December 9th. It is called Peace Trail. It is one of the better records I've heard from him in recent years, uh, 37th album on behalf of our Canadian singer-songwriter. And... Uh, it sounds great. The singles are really interesting. There's one in which where he sings one vocal track, and there's a second vocal track in unison with him that's auto-tuned. I'd never heard Neil Young auto-tuned. Um, and it's not a vocal crutch. He's doing it to try to you know, create a weird sound. And it's really neat. Um, I'm also looking forward to the new Rolling Stones album. That's coming out next week, or the end of this coming week, December 2nd. So that's going to be this Friday. And I'm not a Stones fan. I never have been. But I couldn't be more excited for this album. Uh, It is going to be called Blue and Lonesome. And as the name alludes to, it is entirely Blue's music. It is the Rolling Stones doing uh, the music that they love, the music that they grew up on. So it's them covering Howlin' Wolf and Muddy Waters and Little Walter. Uh, the, The first single was Just Your Fool, which is a Little Walter song. And it's awesome. It is so good. Apparently, The Stones recorded it in three days with no overdubs, uh, no extensive production. It's just them playing the music they love, the way they like to play it. And you can hear in that sound that they have you know, a lot of heart and soul going into, into it, which is awesome. Uh, and then finally, one thing I would uh, recommend people check out is I recommended this last year. It was Jeff Buckley's You and I. It was a reissue, or I guess a fresh issue of his final recordings, uh, or at least the final recordings in his vault. They were actually some of the first recordings he recorded when he was live. Uh, and they put out the extended version a couple weeks ago. It's really good. It has some extended versions of tracks like Everyday People, which is a Sly and the Family Stone cover, which is awesome. Uh, it's totally worth checking out. Some really good stuff. Uh, Shane, you have something Okay, to
1: say? I've, I've finally come up with a couple of recommendations. <laughs> All right, recently added to my, uh, my playlist here on uh, through iTunes but uh, just a couple of songs so one is called the song Down by Marion Hill uh, that's off the album Act 1 it looks like and then another cool. is A Night Like This by Caro Emerald or Caro however you say that is that a Dylan cover uh, that I don't know offhand, but it is uh, that album looks like it's titled deleted scenes from the cutting room floor. Uh, what band is that? Uh, Caro Emerald C A R O. I'm going to look this up. I wonder if it's a Dylan cover.
0: Sorry, go ahead. Continue with your, it uh, no, was, it was really just those
1: two songs I've been, I've been listening to. They have a pretty sweet uh, station at work right now that they play at the cafeteria. And I, uh those are a couple of the songs I picked up off of there and I'm really uh they really kinda find myself often just kind of wanting to dance to <laughs> to those couple of songs. So uh so yeah, I picked them up and really been liking them a lot. And very cool. And I actually have another another C D that,
2: that is coming up in the new year. Uh and I actually, I'm actually wearing their hoodie right now. 24-7 Spies from the South Bronx in the, U- in the New York City. They're coming out with a new album. They're actually working on it right now. So it's been like three or four years since their last album, Face the Day. So all of the fans are waiting for Jimmy and, and Rick and Fish and and Ronnie for their new album.
0: Very cool. That's awesome. Uh, well, I did just look it up. That Caro Emerald song is not a Dylan cover, even though he has a song of the same name. But uh, yeah, Marion Hill's a really cool outfit. I actually won tickets to see them from XRT here in Chicago. And I just got super, super sick that week. And I emailed the promoter a couple days ahead of time and said, hey, email the next person in line. Give these tickets to someone who can use them. And uh, I was disappointed I couldn't go. But now I'm really wishing I did. Uh, But that's awesome. As always, I want to thank my guests for being with me. Uh, Peter, where can people find you online? What should they be looking for?
2: Uh, Looking for Blazing Caribou Studios for the moment. And uh, I'd app that. Friday nights at around eight o'clock, eight thirty Eastern time, which would be would be seven o'clock, seven thirty our time, or eight o'clock. No, wait, no, it's (laughs) eight o'clock one time, and people can convert it themselves. (laughs) Eight o'clock Atlantic,
0: seven o'clock Eastern, six o'clock Central. All right, thank you for giving us some some real time zones and none of that Canadian stuff. Uh, That's always helpful. Well, Atlantic is I did not know that those time zones existed until you told me about them yesterday. Uh, (laughs) So the more you know. Uh, Shane, I imagine people can also find
1: you those evenings on IDAP. You can find me on IDAP. I thought thought we were doing the third. I don't know. I haven't been on the last couple weeks, so maybe they changed the times on me. (laughs) But I want to say it was uh, 7.30 uh, (laughs) Eastern. Does that sound? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. okay good good all right we'll go with that one and uh because <laughs> as, as you mentioned at the top of the show you can find me on uh techies also uh that's on uh, my network nice guy network and then uh yeah so else the is is the band you can listen to some of uh, our music on there at and then i don't know, I have i'm on twitter at shave mad ox that's actually my personal music i also do dabble a little bit in Uh, It's been a while. Uh, The the band's been keeping me pretty busy, but uh, maybe someday I'll do a little more music there as well.
0: That's awesome. Well, of course, people will be able to find all of those links in our show notes. My name is Brett Stewart. It's always a pleasure to host the Jukebox podcast. The next episode that's going to be in your feed is probably going to be another Jukebox roundtable because I'm going to be doing one in mid December. Uh, please note that I released all these episodes for November a couple days later than usual because of the holiday weekend. I know people are, they're, they're giving thanks. They're, uh, the day after immediately you know running down their neighbors and friends and family to get good deals on dishwashers and televisions so you got to make sure to preemptively give thanks to them before you trample them and best buy uh so i know you're all busy doing that so <laughs> that's why i'm releasing this stuff this weekend instead a couple days after the fact as for the episode for december uh, another announcement, this was also on the Jukebox, but just to remind people, I will have an episode coming out the 25th of the month, as I do every month, which means it'll come out on Christmas, so I get to record a Jukebox podcast not only on Christmas, uh, but on my birthday as well, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, thanks so much, everybody. It's been a pleasure. Uh, find us, jukeboxpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye-bye.
2: The Jukebox Podcast is available on all platforms and podcast directories. Visit the show at jukeboxpodcast.com for more content or email us at thejukeboxpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you enjoy The Jukebox Podcast, please consider rating it on the iTunes Store or in the podcast directory of your choice.